If I were to be accused today of appearing and seemingly uh, simple, pastor was very simplistic. When you leave here today, you will. I will be guilty <laughs> because I'm going to speak simplicity today, simply today, I should say. But the ramifications of the truth that I'm going to share with us, though simple, are profound. And I want you to listen today with an ear of the necessity of adhering to the Word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the older I become, the more I value discipline. How many of you understand what I just said? We're in a world that knows I, I'm afraid very little about it. And let me tell you something, if, and I realize that my, I'm going to be very transparent and confess my sin, so you forgive me, okay? <laughs> you hesitated way too long for that. Um, I have problems having patience for people who are not disciplined. Anybody here? They could, somebody please help me and say, Patrick, at least a little bit. <laughs> Thank you, all you brave souls. I think it's important. It's a powerful thing in our society that needs to be done. Um, when I was in Uncle Sam's army back several decades ago, to be honest with you, my drill sergeant had no problem. He didn't have to teach me to say, sir, I knew that by the time I was out of diapers so to speak. I didn't have any trouble doing push-ups when he, when he said front and lean rest position. <laughs> Give me 50. I had no problem with that. I understood that. When it came time to take care of the cows and on and on and on through a farm and plow and haul hay and on and on, pigs and chickens and all those chores that I had, <clears throat> I understood something about discipline. I want to share with you today, I would like to ask you to go to Proverbs chapter 23 with me in your Bible or on your phone, iPad, whatever you have. I think our tech team is going to show you some of the verses. I just want to take some time to just walk through some of this before I get to the message today. And if you want to turn to the text I'm going to be using, it's 2 Corinthians 4 and Ephesians 4. That's where we'll be a little later. When you turn to Proverbs chapter 23, it is a brief panoramic view, but I want to point you to its major crux, if you will. Proverbs 23, the words of the wise men simply say this, it is how you are to live life. Every young person hear me this morning, whether you're in this sanctuary or you're at home. This is a treatise on how you live your life, guarding your mind and your heart. It is telling you to use wisdom and discipline to discern not only how to live, but to discern motives in others. How many of you know that not everybody is a wise person? And not everybody's a truthful person. How many of you know that a lot of people have ulterior motives? And today we must be wise as serpent and harmless as doves. I want to talk today about protecting your mind from evil. And it better be done today more than perhaps any day before us. 
So I want to just turn. I'm going to just talk, talk us through this. Chapter 23, verse 1. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you. And he talks about the food, but verse 3 says, Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. He's saying, watch the motive of why you're invited to a ruler's house. You understand? So we're looking at what's not seen. It's a sensibility. Watch verse 4. Do not overwork to be rich. Verse 5. You will set your eyes on that which, will you set your eyes on that which is not? And it explains, for riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Have you ever saved up $500 and put it in a savings account and all of a sudden you think, man, I'm on my way to making millions and something happened and you have to pull it out? How many like me a hundred times started over with a savings account? How many of you are never going to raise your hand at all? You just did, some of you, good. Watch this, verse 6, do not eat the bread of a miser, and a miser is one who has an evil eye. Verse 7 is where I'd really like to point some time. It says, for he, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I want to tell you that my mom and dad have taught me and my pastors taught me that scripture for years. As a man thinks in his heart, the Old Testament thinketh in his heart, uh, King James Version, thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I always thought it's important about what I think, and that is so true. But in this setting, do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What, listen to the rest of it. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. I want to tell you something. Doesn't matter if you're the one with the groceries or the one consuming the groceries. As a man thinks in his heart, that's what he becomes. That's what they are. Look at verse 10. Don't remove ancient landmarks. He's talking about principles that are taught in the Word of God. Talks about entering the fields of the Father and changing everything. Verse 12, it says, apply your heart to instruction, your ears to words of knowledge. Here's one, 13, do not withhold correction from a child, which we need a revival in reading today. If you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. It is not talking about the abuse of a child. God loves these children and so do I. And I'm glad there's coming a judgment day when everyone who has hurt a child and an innocent person pays for it. Because I believe in this scripture like a golden cord, what you reap, you sow. But it means here, do not withhold correction, beating him with the rod. It's simply talking about, let me put it in very modern day vernacular. Parents, you're responsible for your offspring. And if you haven't grown up, once they get here, you grow up and you stop living for you. And you teach these children, train these children, give time with them, teach them about how to live life, prepare them for the world. Amen. Probably lost all my friends, but it's, it's necessary. It, you, you haven't done your child a favor by petting that child? Uh, lost the rest of my friends there. And watch this. Relationship. 
my son, if your heart is wise, watch this. This is God talking to us. If your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice indeed. I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Boy, do you realize God says you put your heart on me. I have my heart on you. And when you speak the right things and think the right things and do the right things, there's joy in my heart. And so how many of you want to give joy to your creator? Oh, I do. Wow. Verse 17, this needs to be put on the billboards, on the televisions, on computers, on every billboard on a highway. Do not let your heart envy sinners. Listen at it. But be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day, for surely there is a hereafter. I want to tell you something. Satan's got our society looking about that far in front of their face. And this says you better keep the long look in mind. Because let me say what I've said a thousand times. And if you're tired of it, at least you'll remember. Satan never has one time ever produced a winner. And God's never produced a loser. It's true, isn't it? Hear my son and be wise. Watch this. Watch this word. Guide your heart in the way. And he says, don't mix with wine bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat or the drunkard or the glutton will they'll come to poverty. Verse 23, buy the truth and sell it not. Wisdom and instruction and understanding. I, I have a message I should preach. I preached it years and decades ago. Buy the truth and sell it not. Young people get a hold of the book that's ancient and it's right. Stay with it. Don't ever sell it because if you do, you lose. Amen. My son, give me your heart. This is God saying, verse 26, be my valentine. Let your eyes observe my ways. And I could go on. I just want to make notice of the fact that God gives us wisdom. And we, you and I, are supposed to use the word of God to direct our lives. I want to say something I hadn't planned on saying, but I want to tell you something. Our world is in chaos today. And we are trying everything we can financially and politically and powerfully and money and militarily to try to answer all the woes of this world. And I'm going to tell you, men do not have the answers. They've never had it. They never will have it. I just want to tell you the answer. The answer to all the world's problems is to follow what was called Ten Commandments. First of all, recognize God, and then you take all the commandments that are there. It would do away with crime. It would do away with theft. It would do away with murder. It would do away with wife and child brutality. It would do away with dishonesty. It would do away with all the problems that are coming and presently have plagued this world. We're on a sin-cursed planet, but the book is still the eternal answer. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Your mind is a special gift from God. I've been told it can potentially store 100 trillion thoughts. Greatest computer ever. And it is the tool that God desires to use in your life in ministry because we're all called to ministry to fulfill God's purposes. Yet I declare to you there are many voices vying and fighting access to control your mind and your thoughts. Satan uses everything available to him to woo your soul, 
to take your mind, make you feel. Because if he can control your mind, you've heard me say it, he can control your feelings. If he can control your mind and feelings, he can control your behavior. Years ago, a book on advertising by Jack Trout and Al Reese. Their book was Positioning. And the theme was The Battle for Your Mind. The book was an eye-opener as it regards to all that is vying for our attention today. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm preaching this whole message about protecting your mind from evil in a late day. Fact is, there are people intentionally planning 24 hours a day to get your attention. I think you may know it, but I'm going to tell you something. Computers and technology gurus are constantly 24-7 trying to figure out and find everything they can about you. They know your name, your address. They may or may not know what you weigh, but I want to tell you, they have a tracking device to find you every 24 hours. It's called a telephone, and they're vying for your attention. And every time you do something on a phone or a computer, they're recording it. They know a lot about your life, and the more they know, the less freedom you have. It's true. Is anybody out there say, boy, I'm glad he's the one saying that and not me? <laughs> not, not to mention that the fact, ladies and gentlemen, there's a dedicated enemy. And with that in mind, I want to announce uh, we must purposefully choose, decide, guide, guard, dictate, discipline what comes into our minds. We must control what and who we allow into our minds. What is true of computers is true of humans. Garbage in, garbage out. Second Corinthians chapter 4, I'm just going to read this for you. Verse 1, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, Paul's writing, but we have renounced, how many of you are in the household of faith? Watch this, we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Whose minds, here's a description of the unbeliever in the lost world today, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For I'll just stop there. Paul said, we don't preach ourselves, we preach Christ. Just a few pages over, Ephesians. I want to read two verses out of chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, this same author, this I say, therefore, and testify to the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Listen, you're either living for God today or the devil. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. The master is either the master, the author of the book, or the evil. There are no two ways about it. No man can serve two masters. Watch this. He says, 
no longer walk like the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Watch it. Here's the reason why. Here's the result. Having their understanding darkened, Satan will darken your thoughts. He will darken your mind. He will damage your emotions. He will destroy your life. Having their understanding darkened, listen to this, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them that Satan has put there because of the blindness of their heart. To help us, Paul takes us to 2 Corinthians again. He tells us in chapter 10, verse 3, let me just read it to you. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And cast, watch this verse, this is verse 5. Casting down arguments. In the old King James Version, it says casting down imaginations. The things that Satan tries to slam, if you will, into your mind. Casting down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing, this is you, this is me, every Christian bringing every thought into captivity, into a spiritual discipline confined in this book. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. There is a devil and many, many demons dedicated today in 2021 to totally destroy your life through your thinking. I want to mention five things very quickly that we are to guard against and protect against to help our minds not be playgrounds of Satan. Number one, we must guard against our minds against false teaching. There is so much heresy coming across the internet today and televisions and radios. It is absolutely mind-boggling. First and foremost, watch out for doctrinal errors that can divert us from the true gospel. Listen, sometimes we in denominations, we don't agree about certain things. But let me tell you this. We do agree about the Godfather, God, the Father, the Trinity. We do believe about the salvation of Jesus Christ, his death, resurrection. We do believe about a holy life and a second coming of Christ. We do believe in eternity. And in those doctrinal things, don't you ever be turned aside. Scripture encourages us to contend for the faith. Watch these words, which were once delivered, once for all delivered to the saints. Mr. Jude wrote those words, and he was talking about a past apostasy and one that is coming, and I believe that is here. Do not, you, it is time for you to contend for the faith, not be led astray by false doctrine. That also means this. The true message has been around for a while. It says contend for the faith. That means it's been here a long time. I, I, want, I want to tell you something. Let me simply tell you. If it's new, it may not be true.
I wish I had had capability, you guys back there on the deal. I wish we could push news alert, news alert, this coming across the desk. Oh, late breaking news, late breaking news. So news alert, late breaking news, not everything on the internet is true. Thank you for letting me have a moment of levity. As a matter of fact, there's so much poison out there. It's sad. But let me tell you, the biblical faith that we believe and we profess has been written, the scripture says, even before creation. And you're going to put yourself above it. You're going you're, you're, you're to be without God and you think you can make that because you're so intelligent. Well, I thank God for intelligence. Wish I had more, but I want to tell you, none of us are ever going to excel and exceed beyond the writer of all creation. How do you guard your mind against false teachings, pastor? Here's how. Know the truth. Know this truth. Because if you know the truth, you can detect and spot instantly a lie or a fallacy or a wrong motive or your spirit will witness something does not witness in the deep part of me. I read something that's interesting. Treasury agents are not trained to detect, that, that are, are not trained to detect counterfeit money by handling counterfeit bills. They are given genuine printed U.S. currency bills and they study them and know them so well that when a counterfeit bill is put in their hands, instantly they know it's counterfeit. An interesting read I did several years ago was talking about how much we miss sometimes. And this professor um, in biology, he had asked a class, he said, I want you to take a fish, and he gave a fish to each one, and he said, I want you to write down everything you can write down about that fish. Look at it, study it, write it down. He happened to give them a, a dead one, and he had fixed it up, and he said, take it home with you, study it, bring back everything that you can to know about that fish. And when he got back, most of the, most of the results were, well, this fish has a dorsal fin and a, a top fin and a bottom fin. It's about this long. It, <laughs> and they were writing things like that. And he said, take it back and check it out again. And they wrote, well, the color is this and the head's position like this and added some of that. And he said, take it back and check it all out again. And after about four or five trials, he got information like, the tail fin has this many segments for muscles. There is an average on this species of fish of this many scales. The eyes change color in water. The dorsal fin does this. The top fin does this. And they went on and on. The shape of the mouth, how it's proportioned to the body. The shorter the body, the quicker the speed. And on and on. And some of them had teeth. Some of them didn't. Ladies and gentlemen, we think we see it all, but most of the time we miss most of it. And if Satan can put the tasty and the obvious things there to try to detect, uh, to detract us, we can miss the major truth. That's why you ought to know from whence you hear.
Young people, next time somebody tries to convert you from Christianity, here's something I want you to remember. I hope you write this down. The next time anybody tries to convert you out of Christianity, I want you to ask these questions. Show me where the prophet died for me. Here's another one. Show me where the teacher was resurrected after he died for me. Here's another response. Show me where the prophet has power over death. Show me where he has power over all the elements. Show me where he can steal the storm and he can steal the waves. Show me where he can multiply bread to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. Show me the miracle he has to take a man with a withered hand and say, let it be well, and it's made like the other. Show me a man who can immediately touch blinded eyes and heal them. Show me a man who can say, silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I unto you take up your bed and walk show me somebody who has built for me an eternal home until then I already have a better offer and I'm sticking with what I know is eternally true (laughs) thank you God third thing is this and I mentioned it last Sunday guard your minds against temptation Psalm 101 says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. The ESV version says this, and I like it. It says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I want to tell you something, young people. So many of these games that you can play with a with a toy at your house, on your television, or get online and play. They are devils and demons and slaughtering, and they get your emotions, and they they desensify the mindset about dying. And there's brute beasts, and there are literally pictures of devils and demons on those things. I want to tell you something. This world is a set stage for the Antichrist to impress toward destruction. I want to say this boldly. Pornography has a power and a spirit behind it that will get a hold of you and control you. Don't taste it. Don't touch it. The scripture says, shun the very appearance of evil. Sir, madam, whoever you are, stay off of porno sites. It is damnation and it's end. How's that for plain language? Be careful about being tempted. I think we ought to hang that verse. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I I think we ought to hang that verse on the front of every computer and every television. So so let let me ask you something. If you're married, and if you ever plan to be married, let's just let's just come down and reason together. You say, oh, pastor, you you preach that kind of stuff. I want to ask you, you're presently married, or you plan on being married. How many of you want your mate to cheat on you? How many of you want your mate to commit adultery or fornication? How many of you want a marriage destroyed? Then stay off the porno site. How many of you know I feel a little lonely right now? <laughs> Think what? Hang that verse on every every computer, every place. 
When's the last time you actually changed channels? When's, when's the last time you actually turned something off that was against your spirit because it was worthless? A.W. Tozer, who's one of my spiritual heroes, gone before us. Never got to meet him, but I'm going to spend eternity with him, and I want to visit with him. And I want to say, why didn't you ask God to help me some with my mind like your mind? <laughs> but he made this quote, quote, America has lost its ability to blush, end quote. So ladies and gentlemen, to guard our minds, we must be careful about what we watch because it brings temptation. It will suggest doubt. I read you the scripture. You listen to what Satan says and he will darken your mind. Scripture teaches us very clearly that sin begins with a thought. So I want to share this with you. Young people, hear me. I've been in the ministry 44 years. I don't think it's exaggerating, exaggerating. I think that I could have several gallons of tears had I collected them. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit. Reap a character. As he is in his thinking, as she is in their thinking, so they'll be in the issues of life. That process of sowing and reaping will either make you or break you. The mind is a strategic battlefield of Satan. And if Satan can get your thought life, he will get you. If he can get your thought life, he can destroy you. So those harmless fantasies. And if you think Satan and television and computers don't paint them beyond almost imagine. I want to tell you something. If Hollywood ran out of paint and powder, it wouldn't be half as alluring. <laughs> I don't mind paint and powder. I always say to my wife every day, I'm glad Avon calls. No problem. <laughs> I'm telling you, if they ran out of lights and paint and powder and cover girl and channel fives and all that, and I know it's Chanel, but if they ran out of all that, they wouldn't be near as pretty. Moving right along. <laughs> when you're tempted, turn it into a conversation with God. Young person, when you're tempted, turn it into a conversation with God. Lord, help me mentally put the helmet of salvation on like Ephesians 6, 17. What does that helmet do? It protects the mind. It protects the thinking. What, when you do, you'll be saying this, Lord, I want you to control my mind. I want your blood to cover my mind. I want your truth to cover my mind. I want your salvation to cover my mind. I will be guarding my mind from temptation. I will not allow Satan to control what I think, what I feel, and what I do. Number three, guard your mind against counterfeit spiritual experiences. If you don't guard... Against counterfeit spiritual experiences, you'll end up in a cult. 
Wow, pastor, are you serious? Galatians 1, listen to this. Galatians 1, 6 through 8. Young people, hear me. Even if an angel appears telling you something different than the Word of God, don't believe it. You may not know this, but Satan doesn't come in a black, a black and red suit with a forked tail and a pitchfork and horns and come at you like something evil to destroy you. The Scripture says he comes as an angel of light. And Paul is saying, no matter how pretty it is and how true it may sound and how wonderful it is and how it may smell and how it may act and how romantic it is and how the mood is, don't you ever listen to what Satan wants you to do. And especially in spiritual experiences. Young people, I mentioned this. I, I want to mention it again. I, I really don't care what people think about what I say in the sense of, well, I disagree. Then disagree with the book. But young people, don't you ever play with a Ouija board. Don't you ever get a yin and yang thing, black and white comes out of the same. Do you know what that message is? That message is that good and evil come out of the same source. That's a lie out of hell. It's not true. Satan himself was an angel of light in the heavenlies. God gave him a place, but in his heart, in his mind, in his thinking, he got jealous. He, this motive turned, and he said, listen, I understand we think sin came into Eden, and as far as the earth it is, but Eden didn't start sin. Sin started in the heart of Lucifer, and he said two words, I will, I will, I will, I will. I will exalt myself. I will be the most high. I will ascend to the hill. I will, I will, I will. And God cast him from heaven to the earth, and waiting for Adam and Eve when God put them there was that same devil that desires to destroy you by saying you do what you want to do. Your will, your what's count. Nobody has a right to tell you anything. You can live your life and do anything you want. I will, I will, but everyone that's ever swallowed the bait paid the price. And maybe still love me. I hope so. A lot of people sometimes have these spiritual experiences. And listen, if you don't think Satan doesn't come to church, <laughs> they have these spiritual experiences. Sometimes, I'm going to try to, I hope you take the humor in this. Sometimes the devil comes to church and you have spiritual flashes. And they can come from the devil or bad pizza. <laughs> Mom, dad, young people, the Holy Spirit works calmly and deliberately and biblically. The high and holy spirit of God will teach you and guide you and urge you and witness inside of you and, and, and lead you. Experience, ladies and gentlemen, cannot dictate doctrine. Doctrine must dictate experience. If you didn't understand that, let me say it again. I don't care what you experience, it may or may not be of a high and holy spirit. Experience does not dictate doctrine. Doctrine dictates experience. Number four, guard your mind against pride. Pride is the sin that God judges perhaps quicker than any other. You know why? Because thou shalt have no other gods before me. And when you get into pride, you've made an idol of self. 
Aaron became prideful and God disciplined him. Read about Uzziah. He became prideful and God disciplined him. Pride is the sin that got Lucifer I just talked about. Satan kicked out of heaven. Pride. I will be. I will be. Today, the American society is nothing more. Our, our, our American society takes pride and we've made religion out of it and it's preached every day. You're what matters. You're what matters. The world spins around you. You, 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 you are wonderful. You are this, you are that, you are this, and you are that. And listen, we are creatures of God and we are creatures that God created us in his image and we should accept who we are and what we are. But when you get self-promoted beyond what a, a good measure, let me tell you, you can be in trouble. That's why the discipline of the word needs to be done. I want us to hear it. Anything that is more important than God is an idol, including you, including me. Leaders succumb. Sometimes people tell them things like how wonderful, how, how beautiful they are. And to some of us, it's true. <laughs> Just see if you're listening. <laughs> if somebody says, oh, pastor, what a mess. Or, wow, you're beautiful. Or wow, you're talented. And wow, you can sing. And wow, you can play the instrument. And sometimes... We listen to those things and get puffed up. But ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest disciplines is to maintain humility. Don't let your pride, don't let anything good about you go to your mind. When somebody says, Pastor, I love you, thank you for this or a good message, I say thank you and I put the glory to the Lord. Lastly, at number five, and I asked Dave before service today, I said, I want you to come up and preach the last point because I am so hypocritical. <laughs> and then I realized that Dave couldn't preach it either because he's a hypocrite. I'm not sure anybody in the room can get up and preach this. So let me just get low on my face and bow to you and tell you the last one. Guard against an overworked, mind I believe this is one of the major contributors to much of Christian failure a mind constantly strained leads to weakness and failures and burnout does not come from outside it comes from inside a mind constantly strained affects the ability to make sound judgments. I believe there is a word in the scripture that takes us to a place that we need to take seriously and it's called the Sabbath. Sabbath. It means a rest. It teaches us. One of the things you need to see in the New Testament is Jesus himself retreated and refreshed often. Our rush, rush, push, push, hurry, hurry, demanding society. I've said it many times, but here it, it robs us with intimacy with God. 
And if Satan can run you till you can't read this word and run you till you can't pray and run you till you can't be in church and run you in any way he can to keep you away from the Father, he has placed something in your spirit that he can use to destroy you. It affects how we live. So I'm through. I wanted to preach about 20 minutes today just to let you know I don't have to preach an hour. So I'm going to try to hurry, okay? Guard your mind. Guard your heart. Guard your innermost being. Purposefully. Absolutely take charge of yourself. Commit yourself to God. Say, God, I give to you my heart, my soul, my mind, my body, everything about me. Because out of all that issues life. I'm going to end with this. The same author I've read all day except for Proverbs, Paul, in the New Testament, Philippians 4 and 8, he tells us to whatever is good, whatever is holy, whatever is righteous, all those that are positive, think on those, dwell on those things, let those be. How many of you know we're in a negative world? Every time there's a negative, you need a positive. And you need two positives to one negative. I, 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 could, I, could, and I could add three or four points, and I should, but I'm going to quit. Sometimes your crowd's really important. If people don't positively affect you, get out. Because eventually one sick person plus one well person equals two sick people. It's pretty good, simple math. Philippians 4, think on these things. And then the, listen at the discipline. He says, discipline, direct your thoughts. Take charge of your mind. Listen, when the enemy comes in like a flood into your mind and your heart, the scripture says the spirit will raise up a standard. That standard is a sign that says, you know this word. And, and the scripture, David said, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Our neglect of the book is the reason we're so weak. It's true. I'm not trying to be an enemy. I'm trying to be a friend today. I want to help us. Paul said, discipline your thoughts. Discipline your actions. Do you know what the word... Do you know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, the, the greatest message this maybe ever, he said something. In the Beatitudes, he, he, he mentioned this. The meek shall inherit the earth. It's not all the wealthy heroes. It's not all the, the, the Wall Street gurus that win. It's not all the dictators across the world. It's not all of that. God said, I'm going to take this world that I love and I'm going to give it to those who are meek. Well, we think that meekness is weakness. This is why we need to learn the Word. You know what meekness is? It is somebody with great strength. But that great strength is under great discipline. They could destroy you in a heartbeat because they're disciplined. They do not. God's going to give the whole creation of earth to those who know how to handle themselves. And know how to do that by the scripture. No wonder Jesus said, if you're faithful with me in few things, I'll let you rule over many. Who would you trust with your greatest possession? 
I know I'm meddling now and I wanted to be through by now but I want to tell you something young men young men become men young men become men that is a difficult process but you stop your feelings and get a hold of yourself I'm telling you from a pastor's heart and from a dad in a pastor's heart I want to tell you I I disciplined my boys because I wanted them to be men. Let me tell you something, parents. Let's go back to the young men. Young men, if you're a parent with a daughter, here's a good question to ask yourself. Does that man and woman really want to turn her over to me? I'm not sure I could have passed that test, but I hope I did. <laughs> a man and woman, has a daughter, most precious thing in the world. They buy the little dresses and the little shoes and the booties and they change the diapers and they give them medicine. And as they grow, they give them an Easter dress and then they teach them how to paint and powder and put on perfume. I hope they teach them how to scramble eggs and clean bathrooms. Oh, well, that's not just a lady's job. No, because I do that some at my house. Albeit, I never do it right, so she decided she'd rather just do it herself. I can, I can make a bigger mess trying to clean one than, and so some things are counterproductive. <laughs> I thank God for a great wife. Do you, do you want him, that man to turn his baby over to you? Can you control yourself? When she makes you so mad, can you handle yourself? Will you put yourself out and take care of her? sickness and in health till death do you part if you can't do that then go back and grow up till you can say amen somebody when you get mad and you get all frustrated is there some inner strength in you that you could discipline yourself the virtue of restraint is really important which we don't even teach anymore listen our, our message in our world today is if it feels good do it Scripture teaches, if it's right, do it. And not everything that feels good is right. Come on, say amen. Wow. I walked up to the door of my now bride's house when we were 15. I rang the doorbell. I didn't drive up and honk the horn because I knew Dad wouldn't let her go out there. I was also taught what is thing called chivalry. Go up, knock on the door, meet the parents, and you better get to know them because you're going to find out a whole lot about her. Yes? Visit with the folk. I think everybody ought to date about five years. <laughs> I lost every friend then. No, I'll forget that. We dated four years. I had all the desires and everything about anybody that's physically healthy and well. I wanted to express love in every way you could. But not until the night we said I do for life did I ever touch her or anybody else. And I'm going to tell you, that's what the book teaches. Today we make fun of virginity. But I want to tell you, God says it's high and it's holy.
Amen. You said, Pastor, you're meddling. You're exactly right in capital letters. I'm trying to help your life. God says, discipline yourself. Obey my word. Live like I instruct you in this book. And here's the promise. Watch this. And the God of peace will be with you. Not much peace in this world. People are searching for peace like a gold treasure. Very little found. I want to tell you this. Great peace have they who love my law. The God of great peace will live with you. Pastor, you and your wife ever had an argument? She's been wrong 10,000 times. But there's peace of God. You know why? Because I'm committed to discipline. She's committed to discipline. And according to the grace of God, God can do exceedingly abundantly above what we can do or ask or even think. And in a few couple of months, we're going to celebrate 50. Thank you. Two years of marriage. 52 years. 52 years. All I'm saying is that because I was taught and I believed it, I did it right. And God has enriched us and enriched us and enriched us. And I wouldn't trade a thing. Because, ladies and gentlemen, there's peace when you're at peace with God. So I'm going to say this. I'm through. If you don't have peace in your heart today, whether you're in this room or online, if you don't have peace in your heart, I ask you to come to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, for a washing and a cleansing and submitting yourself to the obedience unto the word of the Lord.